0: welcome to Destiny Spirit Church this week's message is by our senior pastor Donna astern the types of things that that we are covering in these these several these last few months do you understand that this is this is hardballed warfare that the devil doesn't like do you know that you make the devil very nervous when you start exposing works of darkness and you start repenting you know repentance is a very powerful weapon and uh and so what what happens is when the devil gets wind of what's going on, he tries to discourage and cause distractions and things to get in the way anything to stop people from connecting close to the Lord and from and connecting into sanctification you know the lord the Lord has paid the price for our healing and our freedom, but a lot of times we're still stuck in some stuff because we haven't gotten everything cleaned out yet and so as we have been looking at several, several things these last uh, last few weeks regarding the common devices of the enemy, let's just—I just want to pray, Father in Jesus' name. I want to thank you, Lord God, that Your Word leads us into all truth. That, Lord God, that You're taking us from step to step, the glory to glory. Lord, you're not leaving us how you found us, but you're bringing us forward into new places of freedom, new places of wholeness, new places of Christ-likeness. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you continue, Lord, to give us a heart of courage, to give us a heart to embrace the truth, to receive the truth, and to walk free and to be liberators for other folks in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would open up your Bibles, please, to Philippians, the second chapter. Philippians, the second chapter. We've been looking for several weeks now. We've been looking at the spiritual roots of our condition. We have seen that lots of times we've had folks who love God, believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, and believe in the prayer of faith, and they they come into healing lines. They get... Oil dump Donalds many times where they shine and glow and they come up and they get so many hands laid upon them but they leave there and they're still not healed. And we've we've looked at that and said, What's going on? We believe in the power of the Spirit. We believe in praying the prayer of faith. We anoint with oil, we get hands laid upon us, what's going on? And so the Lord has been revealing the spiritual roots to conditions, that we've got to deal with the roots. And so the way we're approaching this is we believe in laying on hands, pray for you the prayer of faith, get you healed. And many times we've seen powerful healings and miracles happen by that, that way. But if it didn't happen for you, we want to begin to dig a little deeper and find out what's going on. Because by his stripes we're healed, right? So there's got to be something in the way if we've not gotten healed yet. And so because healing is part of our inheritance, right, in the kingdom of God. So we're looking at the possible roots to a number of conditions that people are facing in everyday life. And some of these things are serious, some are life-threatening. But a lot of conditions people have are just minor annoyances, you know. I mean, things we've learned to cope with. We learned to pop an aspirin and and go to the eye doctor. And we've learned to do all these things. But when it comes down to it, there's still, in God's people, there's still far too much that's not healed. I'm for 100% healing. I don't want you to have an infected toenail. I don't want you to have a pimple. I don't want you to have anything except 100% health. Because you know why? Because Jesus died for it. And if Jesus paid the price for our healing, I want us to learn to appropriate that healing. And it doesn't matter what happened at the circumstances of your birth, what happens with the food you ate, whatever. no matter, we need to be healed. And there's a lot of people give a lot of attention to nutrition, to herbs, to things like that. But when it comes down to it, the bottom line is your body is designed to heal. And there are there may be things going on inside of you that are preventing you from receiving the nutrients that you need. But you know what? Jesus healed them all. Didn't make any difference. He just laid hands upon them and healed. And they didn't even have vitamins. So, <laughs> you know, what I mean, come on, you know. There's a better way. And I'm not opposed to vitamins. But I'm saying there's a better way. And I believe that we need to not look to man for our help. Not look to not look to vitamins, not look to herbs, not look to things like that for our health. Instead, let's look to the Lord, all right? And that's fine, you can take your vitamins, that's fine. I take vitamins and stuff myself. But you know what? That's not where our faith needs to be. Our trust doesn't need to be in that particular herb, in that particular one a day, or whatever you take, okay? We're looking at the spiritual roots of our condition. We understand that it's our own responsibility To recognize what's going on in our lives. It's our responsibility to uh, recognize sin that's going on and to repent. Not only in our own lives, but in our generations. What has been coming down through our family line? Just as Daniel, he interceded on behalf of the nation. You know, Daniel was a righteous man in the midst of a bunch of corrupt Israelites, wasn't he? And he prayed, he says, we and our fathers have sinned. And he took responsibility as an Israelite for the things that had come down through the family line. And so that's what we're doing. We're recognizing there's some things that have been coming down through the generations. Things and we're not condemning our ancestors for, it, but we're also not whitewashing it. Hello. You know, we're not, we're not ashamed of it. We're not whitewashing it. We're just saying, yes, there was adultery in my family. Yes, my great-great-great-grandpappy was a pirate. You know, yes, this, that, and the other thing. But I say, as a child of God, it was sin, and it needs to be renounced and stopped in my generation. You know, that's one thing. You know, you think about pirates. You know, that I, I, I heard a guy many years ago. He was a traveling preacher, and he would talk about he was descended from pirates. And he said that he used to, you know, kind of, you know, play it up a little bit. Oh yeah, you know, R and all this stuff and, and play up while well, I'm descending from pirates to the Lord pressed upon him one day. You know, pirates are like terrorists. Pirates are like terrorists. You know, destroyed people's property, killed, maimed, terrorized on the high seas. And it's like that's nothing to be proud of. That's a criminal you know, and what happened when the Lord convicted the guy, and so he began to break that thing off his family line, he's like, I don't want my children and my grandchildren to wind up being thieves and criminals and stuff like that, you know, sometimes we have we have winked and we've looked at what's going on in our family past instead of really being honest about it, and let's call it what it is, you know, the Bible says, you know, woe to those that call good evil and evil good, You know, we need to be able to say, yes, there was adultery in my family. Yes, there was pornography in my family. Yes, there was this, there was that. However, but I take responsibility for it in my generation and whatever I've had to do with that, and I renounce it as sin, and I remove it from my life and break it off my family line. So we've been breaking agreement with sin. Isn't that great? Breaking agreement with sin, decided we're not living like that. We've also at the same time been breaking agreement with enemy spirits upsetting the devil left and right because we're getting rid of unforgiveness. We're getting rid of bitterness and broken heart, accusation, unloving spirits. And then two weeks ago, we kicked out a lot of spirits of fear. And so we have been demolishing strongholds that have been built up in our in our lives many times for years and years. Many times things we were born into through our family line. But we're taking responsibility and we're saying enough is enough and we're not having things that are not of the kingdom of God in our lives. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Well, let's look at Philippians 2, verse 12. It says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out Your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who's at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. You know, we are here to help you work out your own salvation. Do you know there is work to work it out your salvation? There is. If you've been told otherwise, something's wrong. Because yes, salvation is free. But there is a working out of that so that the salvation that Jesus Christ purchased for you and me is fully expressed. You know, and as long as there is sickness and disease in your body, the salvation is not fully expressed, is it? That's what really irritates me about it. Jesus paid for my health, so these stupid allergies have to go, right? I mean, that's the way it is, not to tolerate this anymore, but saying, why should, why should I have anything going on in my body that Jesus' blood has already covered? Why should I have that stuff in my life? You know what? I want to work out my salvation to where I'm seeing the fullness. I'm applying the Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus Christ to every part and aspect of my life so that when you look at me, you see a totally whole and healthy and free person because that's what Jesus died to give us. Amen? I don't want us to be bound in any way, shape, or form. Praise God. So it's working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Working out your own salvation, not somebody else's salvation. <laughs> wives don't get to work out their husband's salvation. Husbands don't get to work out their wives' salvation. And parents only get to do a little bit concerning their kids. You know, that's part of lead doing the way they should go. But working out your own salvation, this also speaks of discipleship. This speaks of applying the Word of God to your heart. You know, there's a lot of Christians got lazy. They got born again. And then they decide, okay, done that, been there, done that. I got my t-shirt, I've been baptized, I show up for church now. But now, you know, God is wanting us to, uh, to have the engrafted word of God written upon our hearts to where it's transforming us. This is called discipleship, right? So God's after discipleship. That means you and I are having to work through, through some things. And God will let you and me walk through stuff to show us where we need to work on stuff. <laughs> Anybody learn anything recently you need to work on? Yeah. Maybe some fear showed up. Maybe some unforgiveness showed up. Maybe something showed up that shows you I'm not quite made perfect yet. There's something God's wanting. You know, tonight during the worship, you know, Jen was singing the song and talking about the fire of the Lord. And, you know, the fire of the Lord is meant not only to inspire you, but as the song was, it's meant to purify you. It's meant to clean you up. And there's some stuff that just needs to be burned off, and that's okay. You know what? When you go through fiery trials, it's meant to free you up. That's what's meant to happen. And so if we'll listen to the Lord and we'll apply the word of God to us, we're going to find out, we're going to come out on the other side free. You know, there are some things that you and I don't get free of the easy way. Ever, everybody ever noticed that before? There are some things, I mean, I wish, don't you wish you could just get in the prayer line and they would just lay hands upon you and you'd be done. Well, that works for some things, but it doesn't work for other things. You know, it's just you talk about unforgiveness. You know what? You can forgive, and they can pray God's grace on you to forgive, but next week you get another chance to work that out. And when you have not forgiven, God has a way of putting His finger right on that situation to say, um, You need to deal with this. You need to deal with this. And sometimes it's real blatant obvious and sometimes it takes a while for just the pressure to build up until we go, what is my problem? (laughs) Hey, I've done that. I've done that. I did that several weeks ago. Something happened uh, between me and a person that just irritated me so bad and I thought, why does this irritate me? What is my problem, folks? That's the way you need to do it. Not what's his problem, what's her problem, but what's going on inside of here that triggers irritation? What's going on? You know? Because I think about it, you know, God loves this person. You know, Jesus wouldn't be responding to irritation and probably nobody else would. But what's happening inside of me? So you know what? I went and sought some counsel. I said, what's going on right here that makes me irritated? And so they asked some hard questions. You know what? That's what a good friend will do, ask some hard questions. And said to to me, finally said to me, is this because you feel rejected? I thought, rejected? I don't know. I have to think about it for a while. And after a while, I realized it was rejection. But I didn't know it until somebody pointed it out to me, and I had to pray about it and think about it for a while. And I thought, okay, that's why it irritates me, because I'm perceiving this as rejection. You know what, folks? Rejection's not me, and rejection's not you. It's a spirit of rejection that tries to attach to us. So God will let us go through situations where we can work out our salvation, and we can work ourselves free of spirits of rejection, and free of spirits of bitterness, and free of spirits of fear, to where those things don't own us anymore. And they don't dictate to us anymore. Hallelujah. Praise God for freedom. All right, God, it says here in verse 13, God is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. You know, God is at work within us to work out our salvation, to work out our sanctification. You know, God wants to manifest the fullness of salvation. God just doesn't want you physically healed, He wants you spiritually free too. God doesn't want demon powers dictating to you how you feel and how you live and operate. And also, you know, God wants you free to where you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in abundance. To where when people look at you, it's like looking at Jesus. And so there's this long-suffering and kindness and patience, you know, and all that good stuff. Self-control, all those kinds of wonderful fruit. You know, the fullness of our salvation to where we're full of fruit, hallelujah, and we're full of freedom, we've been healed, and we've been delivered. So tonight I want to talk to you about spirits of envy and jealousy. Just as we've gotten rid of unforgiveness and bitterness and unloving spirits and, and we've gotten rid of fear spirits and all this kind of stuff, tonight we're going to look at envy and jealousy. And again, I want to credit Henry Wright for many of these insights. The Bible says in Proverbs fourteen thirty, "A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy." The rottenness of the bones. Now, do you ever read that and just think, well, that's nice and poetic. But you know what? I used to read these things and say, but why would it say it just like that? You know, when I began to believe that God meant exactly what he said, that envy would actually affect the health of your bones. I mean, it's pretty plain there. Rottenness of the bones. That's the health of bones, right? In Job chapter 5, verse 2, it says, For anger slays the foolish man, and jealousy kills the simple. You know, envy and jealousy are things that are dangerous spirits. These are dangerous things that get around. And they will cause destruction into your relationships, they'll cause destruction into your psychology, and destruction into your physiology. So we're going to begin to look at envy and jealousy here so that we can identify it, recognize it, how it's been operating in us, and our family line, so we can get rid of it. Isn't that good? Don't you want to get rid of all envy and jealousy? Of course we do. Because you know what? I absolutely hate envy. I hate envy with a passion. There's been a few times in my life that sucker has got a hold of me, and I just wanted to scream I hate it so bad, you know. And I'm calling up friends, you know, help me. I can't stand this thing. I hate, absolutely hate feeling envious. I don't know why, but that one, that one triggers me more than probably any of the rest of them. I, that was got, I got a target on envy. That one I really hate. And I think because, you know, envy, envy comes and finds an open door when you don't feel secure in that God loves you. Because envy is looking at what somebody else is doing. And feeling bad about yourself. What's going on with you. Envy. And jealousy. And covetousness. Will take your eyes off of God. And put them on somebody else. Or put them on something. You know. You think about it. We talk about and we sing about. You know. Worshipping the Lord. But what happens. You've all been there. What happens when you get envious of somebody else. That person's happiness blessing, whatever's going on good in their life becomes a sore point with you, doesn't it? Let's be honest. We know what envy feels like, okay? So it's hard to be happy for you if I'm envious. And it's hard for me to worship God and think about, you know, God loves me. He's going to take care of me if I'm envious because I'm looking at somebody else. I'm not looking at the Lord. When we take our eyes off of God and we begin to put them on another person, this is a form of idolatry. Idolatry is when we are worshiping something else other than the Lord. Now what happens is that God is a jealous God, the Bible says. And he doesn't tolerate idols. So when you get envious, have you ever, ever noticed somebody who gets envious gets absolutely consumed? they get, we say, eaten up. Eaten up with jealousy. Eaten up with envy. That's an interesting terminology, don't you think? But when a person is in envy, they have become so consumed with that other person or that thing to where it's a form of idolatry. And so when you're in idolatry, that thing had better become your caretaker. You know, an idol is a god we replace God with. So if, if, you know, Susie Smith is your idol, Susie Smith better be there to take care of all your needs because God's backing out of the picture. God doesn't tolerate other idols. And we've seen it over and over. When we begin to put other things before the Lord, what does the Lord do? He backs up. He'll let you have it. It's not a good trade-off, y'all. It's not a good trade-off at all. We don't want the trade-off of idolatry. All right? Envy is a feeling of discontentment or ill will Because of another person's advantage, possessions, or blessings. You know, think about it. You know, is there anybody that you genuinely cannot be happy for the good things in their life? You know? You know, you look at somebody else, what's going on in their family, what's going on in their business, what's going on in their church. Is there anybody that you can't look at and be completely happy and supportive? Or does it trigger some kind of a negative thing inside of you because of your own unmet need? Envy is not being happy for other people. Covetousness. It is a strong desire for someone else's possessions, avarice and greed. Covetousness is when now, not only do I envy him for having that, now I want it for myself. You know, only, the Bible tells us we're only supposed to covet spiritual gifts, covet to prophesy. But coveting is something so common to where people, they, they lust after the same things other people have got. You know, they all, they all want the same position at work, or they all want the same kind of car, the same kind of house, and feel like they deserve it. You know, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 6, it says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, there are people who never have enough. There's never, they're never satisfied. And you know what? Our society, our society propagates that. What do they do every year? They come out with a new model, don't they? Gracious, And your computers, it's every month, isn't it? <laughs> they come out with a new model. And now you've got a half, right? And now they're doing just as much with a telephone as a cell phone. Now, whatever you had before that used to work just fine is not good enough anymore. That's the way our whole society has been geared, to, to promote you know, oh, you got a new iPod, oh, I want one, you know, or let me have yours, or how come you got that? Mm -hmm. All right, that's covetousness. Now, jealousy. Jealousy is being very careful or guarding something, not tolerating rivals, making an icon out of a person or thing. Jealousy. A lot of times people get jealousy and envy mixed up. Envy is you want what they've got. Jealousy is you want to keep what you have. Okay. There are two kinds of jealousy. One is godly jealousy and one is ungodly. Because the Bible says in Exodus 20 verse 5, the Lord says, You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those that hate me. And you look through the Old Testament, Old Testament, several times the Lord said his name was jealous and that he was a jealous God. Why is that? Because the Israelites were his people. That was his people. They said, you're our God, this is your people. So when they go off following the Baals and the Asheroths and all those things, you know, God got jealous. It'd be the same thing. You got Mike and Laura, happily married couple, right here. Well, if some guy started paying too much friendly attention to Mike's wife, what would happen? <laughs> He's already snarling. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because why? Because that'd be a godly jealousy to protect what is his. And you see the same thing, parents and children. A godly jealousy to protect your children. From something because they belong to you. There can be a godly jealousy for your church. Godly jealousy over friendships. But godly jealousy is always protecting. It's always for the benefit of the person, okay? Ungodly jealousy is controlling. It's possessive and suspicious. You see, jealousy wants exclusive fellowship. So there is an the exclusive relationship between a man and his wife, right? Right? Exclusive. Nobody else is allowed in that inner circle. So that's, that's good, but if it becomes ungodly, it becomes possessive and controlling. And there have been many marriages that have been destroyed by envy and jealousy because somebody got possessi- possessive, they got suspicious, began to do multiple checkings up on somebody to where finally it, the envy and jealousy just broke down the whole relationship. You know, Je- godly jealousy is protective, and it doesn't control. Paul said in 2 Corinthians eleven two, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin." So, you know, Paul had a godly jealousy over the new believers, over the church there. He says, I don't want you guys falling off into worshiping something that's not true. I want to make sure your devotion to Christ is as it should be. And so there is a godly jealousy, and we'll feel that way towards our natural children, but also towards our spiritual children. You know, from time to time, we'll have spiritual oversight, we'll come and make a remark to us about our relationship with God. How are things going? You know, how are things going? Are you still, is the Lord still number one? Or is there something else that's trying to pull and trying to seduce your attention away? So let's look at the nature of jealousy and envy. Well, it's very self-centered for one thing. It has you comparing yourself to other people. It's a spirit. you understand? You see, June can show up in a brand new Mercedes, If I'm content with my little Toyota, it doesn't bother me a bit that she's got a brand new Mercedes. It don't bother me a bit. It's fine. And it doesn't bother me what anybody else is blessed with whatever's going on in their life because I'm secure in who I am in God. I'm secure in what God is doing in my life. But envy and jealousy will always have you compare yourself to somebody else and you don't do as well. Let's face it. There's always somebody richer than you, smarter than you, better looking than you, more talented than you. I mean, come on. There's always somebody. And what does the spirit of envy and jealousy do? Calls your attention to it. You did notice. You did notice what she drives, right? You know, you did notice this about them, that about them. And envy and jealousy keeps you from being happy for another person's blessings. Envy and jealousy um, also makes people into idols, To where they want to say, oh, I just want to be like him. I just want to be like her. You know, there's one thing to have a healthy role model. I mean, we've all had men and women that we look up to, people that we respect. But you know what? I've seen people who absolutely idolize other individuals. I've seen people imitate certain preachers to the point to where they've mimicked their mannerisms. They don't just tell the same stories, you know, but they mimic the mannerisms. You know, there's one thing to be a role model. You know, we sometimes we talk about teenagers. They get into, you know, pop culture and they got all the pictures on the wall. Folks, that's called idolatry. You know what? I, I think there's one thing to have a role model, but I think when you allow your kids, and if I step on your toes, I've not been in any pi- anybody's bedrooms, so I don't know, okay? But I'm just saying, if you allow your kids to plaster all the pictures of all the celebrity Hollywood people on the wall, they've got a false idol in front of them. They've got something in front of them that's not healthy. It's not healthy. Those people are airbrushed. <laughs> oh, come on, <laughs> you know. It's not healthy. And it's a perverted sense of values. You know, it just always amazes me about the money that goes towards people that are not anointed for you know leadership. Y'all, the idolatry we have in this country for Hollywood. Do you understand what a person and if I offend you, you have to forgive me, all right? But what a person does who is an actor, do you know what they do for a living? They pretend. That's what they do for a living. Why does that qualify them to speak on politics, government, health issues? I mean, come on. They pretend for a living. They play. They call it a play. (laughs) Y'all know. I mean, come on. And it's like, it just amazes me. It's like the people that are admired today, they're admired for plaguing, for pretending. I thought, why don't we admire somebody who actually did something with your life, okay? Somebody who made a positive contribution to society, you know. And yes, I go to movies sometimes. I watch TV sometimes, okay. But I think all things in healthy balance, right? But I don't think that just because somebody had a hit record, it gives them a, you know, right comment on President Bush. Mm-hmm. And... They catch <Yeah>. Yeah. <laughs> Playing for a living, right? That's right. You know, that's just it's just it's just perverted, that's all. There's a place for these things. But to me, entertainment should be a small place in your life. It should not be a major thing in your life. And we've got a whole culture that's designed to promote entertainment and the pop icons, you know, that's who we're all supposed to want to be like. I mean, you know, Lord have mercy, you go into the store and I remember years ago when the Spice Girls were real popular, you know, and I remember they set off this whole fashion trend, and you go and you had these six-year-olds trying to dress like Spice Girls. Y'all, there's something wrong with that picture? Really wrong with that picture. And I understand it's hard. Do you know what to the point to where it's really hard for teenage girls to find clothes to wear. I remember when my daughter was growing up, it was hard. You go in the store, she'd go, Mom, everything looks skanky. I go, yeah, so you learn to layer. You learn to do other things, you know, because it's hard. And why? Because of what Hollywood has put out there there is supposed to be acceptable, you know, things for young women to wear. And I just, you know, it's terrible because you got a bunch of people. And if you look at the lifestyles of these people, I mean, come on, folks, there's not anything to envy. So they're famous and they got money. Yeah, and their lives are a wreck. Their lives are a wreck. Their families are falling apart. they got major problems. Okay, moving right along. Envy and jealousy. Okay, where was I? Yes. Envy and jealousy also will work that, to keep you from trusting God's timing. You know, it'll be like, well, they got their blessing. Where's mine? And not trusting that God knows what he's doing in your life. You know, those of you who are parents, or maybe you remember when your parents telling you when you were growing up, if you ever tried to say something about, well, my brother or my sister or my cousin or they got to do it. And, and what do the parents say? You're not them. We're not talking about them. We're talking about you. You know that God's the same way. He deals with us as individuals. And God knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows exactly what you've been through, exactly what you need. And so he has designed life to fit that. And yes, life is hard. But see, God's after breaking something off of you. He's after bringing healing and freedom into your life. And so much of the time, the pain comes because we're still holding on to things God's trying to get us free from. Hallelujah. But we're getting free of envy and jealousy tonight. Hallelujah. We are. Envy and jealousy keeps you from being content with what you have. And you know what? Other people's envy can steal your joy. Have you ever been the object of envy? I have. I have. People, it was so funny. It was really, really funny, y'all. Now, it maybe won't mean a whole lot to you because you didn't know when I was a kid growing up, but when I was a kid growing up, we didn't have any money. I mean, we were, you know, lower middle class, you know, country folks, small town folks. We didn't have anything. I found out as an adult that some of our cousins didn't like us because we were rich. (laughs) We're like, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) But we didn't know what they were envious of. I still hadn't put that together. I don't know what it was, you know. Um, But they decided that we were rich, so they didn't like us. Folks, you can be the object of somebody's envy for no good reason, you know. But when you are, what does that tell you? It's not your problem. I'm sorry, it's their problem. You know, it really is. (laughs) Oh, envy and jealousy's goal is to separate and divide. It's to keep you out of the body of Christ. It's to keep you out of the relationships that God has for you. Do you know, when you find that you are being tempted towards envy and jealousy with other people, you ought to go out of your way to be friends to them, to be nice to them. Not because you want something, but because you're doing an act of warfare to tear that thing down. And you're not going to allow that thing to separate and divide you from them. Envy and jealousy will destroy relationships, destroy families and marriages, and it produces strife. Because there's no peace on the inside. And it causes for problems. How many of y'all watched Lord of the Rings? See, I know. Some of us more than once, right? Y'all remember the, the, the character Gollum? Spirit of envy and jealousy. I'm telling you what. Is that a picture of, of envy and greed? You know? Because what was it? That character, he wanted that ring so bad. My precious, my precious, right? <laughs> he wanted it so bad that it perverted him and twisted him. And he used to be a kind of a normal person. but over the years, what did the envy and the jealousy do to him? It turned him into a creepy monster. And to where he was obsessed with just getting that ring of power. And I was thinking about that. That's, that is just such a picture because he was all consumed about who had the ring. You know, you know, whatever, Bilbo has the ring and he's after him. I got to get it. I got to get it, you know. To the point to where, you know, he killed himself trying to get it. Now granted, it's just a made up story. But I think it, it does, it's a beautiful picture of what envy and jealousy can do to a person. In the Bible... Roots of Envy and Jealousy. One of the roots of envy and jealousy is pride. Let's think about the story of Haman and Mordecai. Do you remember Haman and Mordecai? Mordecai was Esther's cousin. He had done the king a service by exposing some um, a plot against the king. And so he was never honored for it. And so the king found out and wanted to honor him. Well, Haman was was a guy who absolutely hated Mordecai. He hated him because he was a Jew, and he hated him because he wouldn't give him the proper respect and the proper honor. And so if you know the whole the story as the way it goes, that it was the pride that Haman felt like that he should have had the uh, promotion and the applause. Remember the king asked Haman, What shall be done to uh, honor the man whom the king wants to honor. And he says, oh, goody. Yeah, get him on your horse and your chariot and put the robes on him and drive all through town and go, woo-hoo, hoo and so, and so what happens? He goes, fine, go do it for Mordecai. Well, you know, that just struck him in the heart, didn't it? You see, it was the pride That led him to envy and jealousy. Why couldn't he just be happy that the king wanted to honor somebody else? You see, how do you feel when somebody gets honored and blessed? Somebody gets honored during church service. Somebody gets honored at work. Does it cause a place in the inside of you? What about me? What about me? Folks, that's pride. The root of envy and jealousy. Another root of envy and jealousy is rebellion. In the story of Korah and Moses... Remember that the Israelites are out there in the desert and Korah decides, Moses is just my cousin. You know what? Why should he get to be the guy to call the shots? How come he gets to be the one telling us what to do? How come? And so he decided to raise a rebellion up against Moses. And it was envy because he envied the position of authority that God had given Moses. I'm telling you what, you got to watch out when you get envious about somebody's position. Sometimes we're like, well, how come they got the, you know, position of leadership? Or how come they got the place of honor? Or how come, hey, you got to understand that God is in your court, but we're going to allow God to promote. He, Bible says he raises one up and puts one down, doesn't he? And if God decides that somebody's getting raised up, then we let God do it. And we go, yay, God, that's wonderful. You know, and applaud his choice rather than to criticize it. A third root of envy and jealousy is bitterness. Remember the story of King Saul and David? David is a nice shepherd boy. He's going to come out. He kills Goliath. He's going to come play the harp for Saul. Well, all the people start saying, Saul's killed his thousands. David's killed his ten thousands. Well, Saul got wind of it. and He got envious and jealous because he got jealous of his position as king but he was envious because of all the nice things people were saying about David and he felt like his own position was being lessened in the sight of the people so what happened? Envy and jealousy led to bitterness and led to attempts of murder on David's life, right? You see also the same thing happened with Joseph the dreamer and his brothers God gives him dreams I mean these dreams are from God but his brothers were so eaten up With envy and jealousy, who does this kid think he is that they sold him into slavery? Do we understand that you and I can't afford to have bitterness? We can't afford to have envy and jealousy in our lives. A fourth root of envy and jealousy is control. Control. Think about the example of Sarah and Hagar. Sarah is Abraham's wife, Abram's wife, and she has been unable to conceive she wants a child very desperately. They have a promise from God. They're going to have a child. But it's not happening soon enough. So she goes and grabs Hagar and brings him, brings her into the picture. So Abraham has a child with Hagar. And then little Ishmael grows up. And year after year after year, little Ishmael grows up and it becomes a sore point for Sarah. And then when her Sarah's child, Isaac, is born... Then Ishmael begins to poke around and make fun, and she decides, you know what? We are not having this anymore. And she begins to, and she, over the years, she dealt with Hagar very harshly. She was controlling. She was very hard and very difficult for her, and she drove her away. You know, that's what happens. Sometimes a person is deliberately trying to drive you away. Have you been there? I have. They've been deliberately trying to drive me away. And it's through envy and jealousy they're trying to control the situation. And you know what happens is once they drive you away, then all the rejection spirits come in and just say, well, you see, we knew they were going to do it anyway. And that way you don't get to take responsibility. You can just blame the other person for, for them leaving and driving away. But roots of envy and jealousy, pride, rebellion, bitterness, and control. Let's look also... Um, We won't look it up because there's too many scriptures here. But Proverbs chapter 6, verse 34 and 35 says, For jealousy enrages a man, and he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not accept any ransom, nor will he be satisfied, though you give many gifts. When a person gets consumed with jealousy, it says here in Proverbs that there's no no dissuading them. They don't listen to reason. They become what the Bible calls a scorner. Do y'all remember the four kinds of fools? you got the simple fool, the hardened fool, the mocking fool, and the um, God, God-denying fool. The mocking fool is the scorner, and that's what this is. The scorner is a person who's smarter than everybody else, they think. They know better than you. Everybody else is an idiot, and they're the only smart person. That's a scorner. A scorner is someone that they've got their mind made up of how it is, and there is no talking to them. There is no reasoning. In this case of jealousy, when it gets to this extreme, this place of being the scorner, this place with the person, there is no reconciliation. They don't want reconciliation. They don't want this problem fixed. They're just happy to be mad and happy to be jealous. This, th- this winds up turning into feuds. How many of y'all have ever seen any feuds? Feuds between families. You know, we talk about the Hatfields and McCoys and stuff, but but some of you guys, I know for a fact, y'all got some feuds going on your family line. You know, this half doesn't speak to that half, and, you know, and you just avoid family gatherings and stuff. This type of jealousy winds up in retaliation, violence, abuse, and stalking. Folks, I want to be done with envy and jealousy, don't you? We don't need any feuds. We don't need any stalkers. <laughs> we don't need any of this stuff. <laughs> All right. So roots of envy and jealousy. If these are the roots, and this is how it manifests and what's going on, what happens in a person's physical body if envy and jealousy goes unchecked? If that thing is allowed, as Proverbs says, envy is as rottenness of the bones. There are several uh, manifestations. I've done some research and found out. One is, of course, bone diseases osteoporosis that's not related to menopause, bone loss, this includes problems with your teeth because it's all calcium. Um, Hammer toes, bunions are problems from envy and jealousy. Also, kidney disease, Kidney, kidney stones, eustachian tube dysfunction when your ears won't pop, and the curse of barrenness if barrenness came because of real or imagined infidelity, it's like if the, the, um, one spouse thinks the other spouse is cheating, and whether it's real or not, if that thing is not dealt with because of envy and jealousy, it can wind up producing a curse of barrenness there. We don't need any of this stuff, do we? We need to get rid of all kinds of bone problems, kidney problems, all kinds of things like that. So how are we going to overcome envy and jealousy? Number one is we're going to have to recognize what's going on. Really call that ugly thing what it is. You know, folks, we're the last ones to see our pride. <laughs> everybody else sees it long before we do. Isn't that true? Mm-hmm. It's like pride, pride is like, you know, when you wear perfume, you know when you put on perfume, you smell it at first, and then you can't smell it anymore? But everybody else smells it? Well, pride's like that in the negative. You know, you don't really know you've got it, but everybody else around you can tell. Envy and jealousy can show up with competition, superiority, strife, the curse of touching God's anointed, not being afraid to speak out against leaders, self-ambition, unbelief that God will provide, discontent, envy and jealousy can also show up with fear of loss of control. Gossip and murder. What was the first murder in the Bible? Cain and Abel, right? Why did Cain kill Abel? Envy and jealousy, wasn't it? It's because of the offering that Abel brought before the Lord was accepted, and his offering was not. Envy and jealousy, if it doesn't lead to out-and-out murder, it will certainly lead to character assassination. Begin to tear somebody down or plant enough seeds so that somebody else won't really trust that other person or not really say or believe the best about them. If we're going to get rid of envy and jealousy, not only do we need to recognize it, but we need to focus upon the Lord. You know, God has got to be the source of our desires. It's not what they've got or don't have. You know, it's not that it's... I watch so many people in the church, they want to get political. You know, well, if I just go up and I just meet this Mr. Famous Preacher, if I get to do, you know get a connection with this famous person. You know what, folks? God's the only connection you need. God's famous enough, right? He's the only one that you need. We've got to begin to quit looking to other people for our desires. How many times have people let us down? Many times, right? How many times we got our hearts set on that promotion, on that business, on that person coming through for us. We, you know, we thought, oh, that's the person I'm supposed to marry. Well, they marry somebody else, you know. We get our hearts set on people and on things, and it becomes idolatry because our hearts are not set upon the Lord. This is what's got to happen. Our focus has got to be upon God and what he's got for us, not what other people have or they don't have. You know, if I can look at you, and if you're driving your Mercedes, if I'm content with where I am with God, my little Toyota is just fine. It's just fine. It's when I begin to think that, God, you're not doing right by me. That's when I start to have open heart for envy and jealousy. True repentance and forgiveness. If we're going to get free, we've got to truly repent. We've got to forgive other people and forgive ourselves. Do you understand that when we're exposing these problems, I'm exposing them so you can take responsibility, so you can recognize it. But all we've got to do is fall out of agreement with it. I just refuse to give, part, give place to envy anymore. That thing is not having any place in me. I hate envy. It, I'm not agreeing with it at all. You see, and if you recognize, well, I've been agreeing with this thing. I've been tolerating this and that in my life. Well, just decide to quit. Just decide to fall out of agreement. If we fall out of agreement and we hate that thing and we take responsibility for ourselves and our generations, you know, its power will be broken in our lives. Its power will be broken. I don't want anybody here controlled by envy and jealousy. It's a miserable place to live. Absolutely. And I want you free. And I want all your bones healthy too. Amen. Amen. How many people would acknowledge that maybe spirits of envy and jealousy have been at some point in your life and that of your family? All right. How many think it's time for these things to be evicted right now? That we don't need this mess anymore? All right. How many of you are going to decide to get tough with these spirits? That we're not going to tolerate and pacify these things anymore, but as we begin to recognize them by the grace of God, that we're going to say enough already? Remember, we're going to practice the principle of separation. All those thoughts that come in your head are not your thoughts. Many of those thoughts are inspired by your enemy that's trying to separate you from the heart of God. So we're going, to, we're going to lay the axe to the root of these things and be done with it. Amen. All right. If you would, let's just go ahead. We're going to pray. If you would pray after me, please. Father God, Father God I, take I take responsibility in my generations, in my generations. on both sides, my both sides of my family for spirits of envy and jealousy. And I renounce it. I, renounce it. I, repent for lies. I repent for believing lies. And I tear down negative words. I, tear down negative words. I cancel the assignments, I cancel the assignments of, every evil of every evil spirit that was loose because of them. That was loose because of them. I, renounce. I renounce covetousness, covetousness. idolatry, Comparison. Comparison, discontent, discontent. Not, trusting not, not trusting God, unbelief that God will provide, God will provide. Envy. envy, jealousy, jealousy. Bitterness. bitterness, unforgiveness, unforgiveness. Resentment. resentment, retaliation, retaliation. Anger. anger, hatred. hatred. Violence, Violence. Murder. Murder. murder, critical spirits, critical spirits. Gossip. gossip, curse of touching God's anointed, curse of touching God's anointed. Competition. Competition. competition, pride, pride. superiority, superiority. self ambition, strife, strife. Rivalry. rivalry, jealousy over my spouse. Possessiveness, possessiveness, control, control. fear, fear. Fear, of loss of control. fear of loss of control. I ask for forgiveness, I ask for forgiveness. And, that the curse be and that the curse be broken. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, it's good to repent. It's good to renounce this stuff. Amen. All right, let's do some eviction. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I set aside the strong man of envy and jealousy, and I take authority and I cast out... Covetousness and idolatry, I command you to go. I cast out comparison, discontent, and not trusting God. I command unbelief that God will provide, envy and jealousy to disappear. I command bitterness and unforgiveness to leave. I speak to resentment and retaliation, I command you to go in Jesus' name. I speak to anger, hatred, and violence, I command you to leave. I speak to murder, critical spirits, and gossip, I command you to go in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak to the curse of touching God's anointed. And the competition and pride, I command you to go in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak to superiority and self-ambition. I break your power and command you to leave. I speak to strife and rivalry and jealousy over my spouse. I break your power. I command you to go. And I cast out possessiveness, control, fear, and fear of loss of control in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And now I speak to the strong man of envy and jealousy. And I tell you, your house is broken. The armor in which you have trusted has been dismantled and I command you to loose your hold and to go from these people now in the name of Jesus Christ I command you to pack up your bags and leave the premises and get out of our lives and get out of our generations in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth hallelujah hallelujah praise you Lord would you lift up your hands please father God hallelujah I pray Lord God right now for an infilling of your love Lord God, that you'd pour in your love into every one of us here tonight. That Lord God, we'd know that you love us. That Father God, we'd know and believe the love you have for us. Every place where envy and jealousy has had a place, we ask it to be healed and filled up with the love of God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah! We thank you, Lord. And right now, I speak healing. I speak creative miracles in the name of Jesus. I speak healing for bone diseases, for osteoporosis. I speak healing for bunions healing for teeth problems in the name of Jesus Christ including cavities and weak teeth in Jesus name i speak the healing to kidneys in the name of Jesus Christ hallelujah i speak healing to um i speak healing to kidney stones in the name of Jesus Christ hallelujah Praise the Lord. God, I speak creative miracles for every place that has been damaged in the name of Jesus. God, I speak healing for barrenness in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak healing for Eustachian tube dysfunction in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, right now, creative miracles, we receive it by the power of God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. We lay the axe to the root in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord God, for making us every whit whole in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we thank you for healing belongs to us, for deliverance belongs to us. This is our inheritance in Jesus' name. And we receive the fullness of it in Jesus' name. And we give you praise and we give you glory, Lord God. And we, Lord, we want to work out our salvation till we're 100% healthy in every way in Jesus' name. 100% For ourselves and for our children and our grandchildren. Lord God, 100% realize the appropriation of the blood and the work of Calvary. Hallelujah. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your mercies to us tonight. Thank you, Lord God, for your mercy. God, we receive our healing, we receive our deliverance in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless you, O Lord. Bless you, O Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for freeing our minds, Lord God, freeing our emotions tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God, for returning peace. God, I speak peace over every heart, peace over every mind in Jesus' name. I say the strife is over, the war is over in Jesus' name, the war is over. No more striving, no more competition, no more rivalry, no more ambition in Jesus' name. But right now we receive the peace of God, hallelujah. Father God, I ask you, Lord, to give us grace, Lord, to see what you're doing in our lives and to know and believe your love, to trust you, Father God, for you are good to us. Hallelujah. You are good to us, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. No weapon formed against us will prosper in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We are healed by your mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. How are we doing? Everybody doing okay? All right. All right. Very good. Very good. How many if y'all liking these deliverance things? <laughs> I'm getting phone calls and emails. People are going, you know what? My mind feels better. I think Clara. I just feel better. The weight is lifting. I'm just improving. Folks, that's the sign of deliverance. You can you can cough and you can sneeze and you can vomit and you can roll on the floor and you can do all that stuff if you want to or it just sometimes it happens you know, but the real proof of deliverance is what happens in your life afterwards you know that's what you know so I would tell people don't look necessarily for something radical. If you get radical, that's fine. I mean I've been delivered by myself plenty by ministering deliverance you know. I mean I feel it stir up and I get released too. Hey I get rid of it too at the same time. It's like take out the trash, take out the trash you know. But it's a changed life. That's what we're after. Changed life. Amen. I want you to sleep well. I want you to be happy. I want you to enjoy peace in your home. Amen. I call you blessed. I call you blessed. I call you prosperous. I call you the anointed and favored of Almighty God. I say the spirit of wisdom and revelation rests on the inside of you. And you are the answer to so many people's problems. And God is going to make you a blessing. And I ask God to make you a blessing to somebody this week. To send you out with His Word, with His encouragement, with His love, with His compassion, to be a blessing to somebody else. And I ask, Lord God, that He calls you to appreciate. Father God, You calls us to appreciate the blessings in other people's lives. Lord God, we just choose to bless and say thank you for blessing other people. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in their lives. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church, or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.